This is Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zephard, only on 101.9 High FM. Political analyst and author Dr. Ralph Matecha is a News24 columnist and regular contributor to local and international publications on events happening in South Africa. This past week has been particularly busy, even by our standards, and I thought it would be great to try and get an understanding of where we are as we head towards the ANC elective conference and things get really busy. Dr. Matecha, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, thank you so much for inviting me. It's a pleasure talking to you. Um, Dr. Matecha, terrorism threats, DA mayors being restored and taken out, electoral bills being passed in Parliament, and the presentation of our medium-term budget. Is this business as usual for South Africa? It's not business as usual. I think that uh, if you take a glance across the country, uh, you look at the inflation that we are having, the high cost of living, which is triggering strikes and so forth. Uh, the budget was expected to uh, listen to the people's concerns. So it, it cannot just be seen as an ordinary budget. It is during the moment of crisis. But this also goes to the municipalities as well. When you look at our politics, you look at uh, the coalition government, that is very unstable in an area where service delivery is much more uh, in, in demand. I mean, people need service delivery more than ever before. But you see local government crumbling. There isn't concessions being made by parties that are involved. So it cannot that cannot be seen as business as usual. I mean, as I'm talking to you, I was supposed to talk to you through the other medium, but I couldn't do it. You end up settling for the last medium that let's just quickly get a phone call before the power goes off. Or All of these things point to extraordinary circumstances, the power crisis, the level of crime, anxiety that people are beginning to, 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 to realize in relation to South Africa. It is that moment, I think, a heightened moment of awareness regarding what is going on within the country and an anxiety as to what will be done about it. Anxiety, as you say, um, exacerbated by the power cuts. Um, we've had to change the method of our interview seconds before. Um, Dr. Matecha, if it's not business as usual, what, can we expect more of the same? And is it the coming of the ANC conference that's making things a little bit more jittery than normal? Or is it just, the, just where we are at a country? It is where we are as a country, but also because the NC remain one of the most dominant political force or the most dominant organization politically. It has defined South Africa's politics for, for many years, part of the liberation, now the party leading in a democratic dispensation. So there is a lot of politics in what is going on. Uh, and I do think that uh, when you look at it, it ends up being looking at the NC elective conference as a as a, 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 that time that we are expecting to get clarity as to where the party will be headed, what direction is possible. I mean, they are going into the elective conference members of the NC. As I'm listening and, 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 and watching, I get a sense that it looks like the very same conferences I've, I've seen and observed in the past about the ANC, factionalism groups and so forth. I hear very less about what is the issue on the ground. And that is why the situation on the ground, in my view, quite extraordinary. But the party seems to be continuing in certain pockets as if it, 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 it's business as usual. It cannot be business as usual. I mean, this elective conference it is going to produce the picture that the party is going to uh, present to the country come the 2024 election. It has to be a persuasive picture. 
But when you look at some of the candidates that are coming out, some of the names and even the language around the nomination processes within the ANC, it is the language that says that, look, this is an internal matter of the party. We don't want to worry much about how South Africans feel about it. We begin to worry once the elective conference is over when we are going into the election. That is to, to miss the point. That is how the ANC has carried on in the past, but that is to miss the point. They need, the party needs to understand that at this point, at this point, it cannot be business as usual. The leadership that needs to come out has to be seen and uh, 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 reflecting the NC's understanding of the reality on the ground. The demand for a much more refreshed, focused leadership that is free of corruption. You speak about the understanding of what's happening on the ground. Um, as citizens of Gauteng, what is actually happening with with our metros? We are our um, metro. Our mayor of Joburg has been reinstated, but we understand that this may not be for a very long time. Um, the mayor of Ekoreleni has been removed. Uh, is this what um, coalition politics is going to look like? At the beginning, I think there is a lot of excitement with political power among political parties, excitement about getting that political power, about playing into the coalition, about uh, wielding political power, collapsing coalitions, and uh, as they go about it without considering what are the implications for the voters. And I think when you look at this behavior, uh, uh, as we are struggling with the coalition in Houghton, the city of Johannesburg, Ikuruleni, and, and the city of Tuani, there is a lot of politics, too much politics, but less about what local government is about. We should be about delivery. So this is just that crisis moment in the coalition. It is what you will call the tipping process of the call of the coalition, where initially some players who play into the coalition, they have got unreasonable uh, demands. Sometimes they have unrealistic expectations as to what coalition can do and what they can do as political parties. Some they don't understand that when you go into a coalition, it actually means you could not make win uh, a power outright. Therefore, you have to work with others, which means you have to make concessions and change your position and yield to those that you are actually engaging with. That attitude of co-governance is what we don't see much in the coalition now. But it does set it because eventually political parties get tired of just negotiating power for its sake because political uh, supporters, uh, uh, political party supporters on the ground, they start demanding more from coalition. Voters start to threaten uh, 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 for those who just go on to the disruption of those coalition. And I think it is going to get to the third point. At this point, however, it's still a tipping process. There is a lot of anxiety. Some small parties have not yet figured out what they can do uh, in the coalition. They wake up being told they're kingmakers and they don't understand. Uh, comprehend what it actually means in terms of the obligation to voters. So it is a culture. The culture of co-governing, it will grow over a period of time. And I think it will settle down. I'm pleased you say it'll settle down because at the end of the day, it seems like, you know, while the politicians are playing their own games, ordinary South Africans are suffering with in- increasing um, prices, all, all the things that you've mentioned before. You had an excellent article in News 24 about the electoral bill. Do you think that if it were to work effectively, could ease the, the plight of ordinary South Africans and give them more of a say? I think that an electoral bill offers a great opportunity to take South Africa on a path of electoral reform, to ensure more accountability, to actually ensure that uh, those who are in the place of power do not just do it for its own sake, but they always mind 
remember why they are there, which is to serve the people. So the electoral bill was meant to create an opportunity for constituency system where people can know who they are voting for to represent them in parliament. But I think the problem is that it's just a bill. And for a bill to make sense, we need to be able to be saying as South Africans that we actually want reforms. We should remember that the electoral, that bill was actually forced upon Parliament after the Constitutional Court decision said that the, uh, the electoral law was invalid and unconstitutional. So that means we have received that electoral bill without any intention to pursue electoral reform. We need to get it together when it comes to electoral reform. As I see the bill now, it is a, just the beginning. I appreciate that it opens the conversation into the possibility of electoral reform in South Africa. But it's not a good start at all. It is quite a bad start. I mean, the bill shows that political party, particularly the dominant party, which is the ANC, it still has anxiety about what it means to operate in a fully competitive political system. And I think as time goes by as well, the very same ANC as a governing party will also begin to appreciate that uh, a, a governing a multi-party, governing in an area where you are not dominant, and also ensuring full electoral competition is going to be the order of the day. Dr. Matecha, as South Africans, civil society has always played an important role in, in the way that we live our lives. What role do you think civil society can and should be playing at the moment? A very good question about civil society. I'll tell you quickly, the very same case we're talking about, the, the electoral bill, which we are discussing now, it is the bill that actually uh, came about because two people just went to court and said that they wanted to challenge uh, the electoral law that it does not allow people to stand without necessarily without standing on a party ticket. And and, and those individuals, I happen to know them personally. I've known them even before they went to court. They were part of civil society. That's why I mentioned this. They were part of the uh, NGO civil society activists that actually pushed through to a point where the court said uh, there need to be a new law on, 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 on how to govern election and the processes. So that is just a clear indication of the role of civil society. When I look in South Africa, uh, many organizations, Freedom Under Law, uh, you name them, uh, AOTA, Helen Sussman Foundation, all of these institutions, they have learned an incredible work of actually acting in the interest of the vulnerable without necessarily being part of the broader political machination. Those are part of civil society, non-government organization. They went to court, they go to court now and again and ask if conduct are rational. And they have actually have significant achievement in that. And that is why I believe civil society, NGOs, they should always be supported. They should always be the space of the NGOs and civil society should always be respected. They are responsible for why, even today, South Africa is one of the most robust anti-HIV program, which is the RV program. It did not come about because government liked it. It came about because one single organization called the Treatment Action Campaign decided to go to court until policy was changed. Dr. Matejo, what can we expect? I mean, you've given great hope um, in terms of civil society and the fact that these NGOs are doing what they should be doing. Um, what can we expect as we head towards the ANC elective conference? I think there will be indeed that anxiety 
what will happen after the ANC. There's a lot of questions coming out as to what will the selective conference produce, how much of it is just about the ANC, and how much is it about listening to what is what needs to be uh, dealt with in South Africa, what needs to be addressed. We will see that anxiety going into the conference, but also the ANC is also just a political player. As much as it is dominant, the ANC itself gets displaced from power. It, it get, it, 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 I mean, as you're talking about the city of Ikuruledi, it is the ANC that came from an opposition and tried to get back, tried to, to get back the city. So what that means is that the ANC is no longer as dominant as it used to be. So as the party is going into this conference, the party needs to understand that the ground is shifting when it comes to the political landscape in South Africa. Whatever you're doing within the party, you need to be thinking about how will South Africans uh, relate to that. And this conference, I think, brings that opportunity where we will see if the ANC will opt to survive or will opt to stay stubborn as it uh, avoids doing the right things and avoid electing the people that will properly represent the party. I'm not going to ask you if you're a betting man and which, which side you put your money on. Um, Dr. Matecha. I will, I will. <laughs> I'll take the challenge. <laughs> um, Dr. Matecha, I, I see you, you, you quoted in all the papers. I often hear you on different radio stations. As a political analyst, how do you stay um, abreast of all that is happening and understanding? How do you make sure you understand all that is happening? It's about understanding the system. And I do think that if we observe society, we look at that, we need to understand that... Uh, People are players in the system, organizations. It's all about maximizing interest to the best benefit of the society. So when you look at the disengagement, you look at where things are politically, the most important thing for me is how does it benefit ordinary people, mostly the vulnerable. Because the most important thing about the society is not about how many of people who are doing well that it has. It also has to do with how it takes care of the most vulnerable at the bottom of the society, where it takes care of them. So this is what I think we should subject uh, political power to. We should ask questions to an extent that we need to ask how are the conduct benefiting um, and the broader national development and so forth. For me, it, it's just basic. It, it's about the people and it's not complicated as to what actually benefits the people and what doesn't. And what's nice about that, um, Dr. Matejo, is you're giving power back to the people as well. We're making it about us and not the politicians. Indeed. I mean, uh, the people are and have always been the cornerstone of what is good for them. So it should always be about uh, uh, giving power back to the people. They're the best one who have the lived experience, what, what they've lived through. And they're the best one that need to be supported in, in, in expressing their views, in, in taking their position, we need to show compassion. We don't need to be uh, impatient. I mean, in societies such as the ones we live in, a, a very hyper-market-driven society where you can just see the broader society becoming impatient with the vulnerable and the poor. Uh, we need to get back that passion, compassion as a society to be saying that let us always ask if public policy is to the better interest. It advances those that are vulnerable among us. If we can answer that question, the rest will be good. Thank you. I hope those are the questions our politicians will start to ask themselves if they haven't started yet. <laughs> um, so. uh, Dr. So. Rolf Matecha, thank you so much for joining me.
It's a great pleasure to be to you. Thank you so much uh, for inviting me. That was Dr. Ralph Matecha, a News 24 columnist, political analyst, and author of several books.